Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 189 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. So pleased that you're here with me today. I got to talk to the awesome Stephen Rowley, whose book, The Editor, I just loved. And I kind of fangirl a little bit, which is one of those wonderful things to be able to do um, if you have a show like this. And if you like books and you like talking to authors, it's kind of hard not to. Um, So it was a real joy to talk to him and he is a delight. I know you're going to enjoy that part of the show. Um, A very quick catch up around here because I am revising my little fingers off and I'm seriously just taking like a five minute break to record this and get back to it. Um, Everything has been going well. Enjoying revising. It is not heavy lifting this time. It's got just the right amount of thought that I need, like I kind of got to go deep for a minute and then I can paddle around in words that I'm already really proud of and that belong. So um, this is one of my favorite parts of writing. I think I say that a lot. My wife always laughs at me because I have many best friends, but they're all my best friend. And I have many favorite plates and favorite animals. I believe we can have lots of favorite things. And apparently I like a lot of the writing process. So this week I got to speak to the Jericho Writers Conference in England about revision. And that was so much fun. If any of you are here listening to this show for the first time, thank you for having me. My chair has got some creaks to work out I can hear today. Uh, So that was great. That was yesterday. And the only other really big news in my life since we last talked is... We have air conditioning. It may have been being put in the last time I talked, but we have it now. I was really sad, actually, after we got it because it just didn't seem to be cooling down our house. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. We spent all this money and we have a new big, I don't even know what it's called, the compressor or something out on a concrete pad in the driveway. And it was sending cold air out of the vents, but it really wasn't cooling down the house. It was a little tiny bit cooler, but the house would still continue to heat in the afternoon. And I finally emailed the uh, the guy who installed it a couple days ago. And I said, is this normal? Should this actually cool down our 1,000 square foot house? And he said, what does your filter look like? And so I looked at the filter. I don't think we've changed that filter in years. It was, and we have four animals. It was disgusting. I, I'm constantly confronted with the way that I am failing to adult. And um, that was one of them. So I went over to the Ace Hardware, bought myself a new filter, and all afternoon, cool air has been coming in and then turning off because the house cools down. Um, For the first couple of days that we had the AC, it ran all the time. And then I would just turn it off in frustration and open the windows uh, because at night it gets cooler outside here and I would let the air in. Um, But now it works. And I'm such a happy person that I can sit in my office and it's a temperate 75. It's like 85 outside and it always heats up more in the house. So it would have been like 87 in my office right now. And it isn't. And I'm so happy. Even though right now I've had a bunch of sugar in my face just went very red and I'm very hot. That just happens. I cannot stop that. 
Um, revision means sugar, so I'm back on the sugar train. I will kick it again in a couple weeks. No worries. Um, thanks to new patrons, Elizabeth Dumphy. Uh, thank you, Elizabeth, so much. I just mangled your name. Elizabeth Dunphy. It's a very pretty name. Thank you so much. And Abby Stoddard. Thank you. Thank you, Abby. I have accidentally written two books um, where the main character was named Abby. One was Abby. One was Abigail. They were both called Abby. And I didn't realize I had done it until the second book was literally published. It was How to Knit a Love Song. And then seven books later, Pack Up the Moon. Whoops. Love your name too. Thank you everyone who is supporting on on Patreon. I know that these times are hard and if you need to dial back on your pledge or cancel your pledge, I will love you always forever. Don't worry about that. You need to take care of you. Um, but please know that everyone who does support me on Patreon, you really allow me to sit in this chair and to write these essays that I love writing and to do this show that I love doing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm going to get back into revision now. And I wish you all very happy writing. Please come tell me how your own writing is going. Please sign up for my email newsletter if you're not on it. Um, because I really do write back to every email I get. And I love discussing writing with all of you. So enjoy the interview with Stephen. And we will talk soon. This episode is brought to you by my book, Fast Draft Your Memoir. Write your life story in 45 hours. Which is, by the way, totally doable when I tell you how. It's the same class I teach in the Continuing Studies program at Stanford each year, and I'll let you in on a secret. Even if you have no interest in writing a memoir yet, the book has everything I've ever learned about the process of writing, and of revision, and of story structure, and of just doing this thing that's so hard and yet all we want to do. Pick it up today. Well, I could not be more pleased today to welcome to the show Stephen Rowley. Hello, Stephen. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm thrilled to talk to you about your writing process and about this particular book. Let me give a little introduction for those who might not know you. Stephen Rowley is the author of The Editor and the national bestseller Lily and the Octopus, which has been translated into 19 languages. He has worked as a freelance writer, newspaper columnist, and screenwriter. Originally from Portland, Maine, Rowley is a graduate of Emerson College. He lives in Palm Springs, California. That's a large jump from Portland, Maine. That's a it, is a, it is a hop, skip, and a jump, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're missing a bunch of snow in the winter. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I love Maine. Uh, it's always, you know, going to be considered my home, but uh, I had enough snow for, for a lifetime uh, growing up there. And uh, I don't know, there was something about the desert that ultimately was, was calling to me. See, and I was born in the desert, but I keep trying to talk my wife literally into moving to Portland, Maine. So um, um, I have a and you know I, friend I, I there. Yeah, there. I go back there now, and I think you know what was I in such a hurry to run away from? Because, uh, but you know, it was a combination of being eighteen, and and also I've grown up a lot, and the city the city has grown yeah. uh, in tremendous ways. It's got an incredible restaurant scene, culture, theater. Uh, although I miss I miss live performance. Oh. Uh, I <laughs> I know, uh, but art and uh, Portland's an incredibly beautiful and, and thriving city. It's funny that I want to move there and I haven't been, but uh, that's another thing. My wife keeps saying, maybe we should visit. And, and yeah. no, time, no time soon. I highly, speaking highly of, recommend. Speaking of everything that's going on, how are you doing in this moment? Uh, we're holding up uh, well. I am here in Palm Springs with my uh, partner, Byron Lane, who is also a novelist. Uh, I know his name, and I'm wondering if I've read him. 
Uh, not yet. His, his debut uh, is called The Star is Bored, and it comes out July 28th, so people can look for that as well. But uh, he's been undergoing chemotherapy, so it's been, uh, uh, prognosis is very good. Uh, in fact, his last day of chemo was Friday. Good. Uh, but undergoing that and caring for someone going through that during with a global pandemic as a backdrop is uh, perhaps stressful, but uh, we're, we're making it through. It's, it's, oh, it's so incredible, and that you've got to deal with taking care of him and making sure that none of the germs get in. Have you found that your house is like half the size you thought it was? That's what, <laughs> that's what we have learned. We thought we had enough room. Yeah, in it. a lot of space. And to, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I will say though, our, our house has never been cleaner. Uh, <laughs> so that's good. See, um, that's the opposite here. We have a house cleaner. So our house has never been yeah, dirtier. Well, yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, it's just uh, you know, trying to keep, trying the extra steps yeah. that we take to try to keep the germs out. Uh, yeah. Anyway, and um, both of you releasing a book so yeah mostly yeah. together that is super super exciting but let's talk about you for right now and how um my question is usually what's your writing process what does it usually look like um but also feel free to answer what it looks like right now in this moment too i feel so grateful right now to have a job that allows me to escape into other other worlds and other times um i i really think that um as a as something to help mentally help me get through these times that, that that's very fortunate you know i can sit down at a desk and and almost uh, travel to someplace where all of this isn't isn't happening even though i don't leave my home uh and i've never been more grateful for my job than i am right now i've also been strangely productive and and this is not not a knock against anyone who is having trouble creating in this time and in fact this is an incredibly difficult time to feel creative. Um, but me, my biggest obstacle in writing has always been uh, FOMO, you know, that sort of fear of fear of missing out on, on what everyone else is doing, particularly when you work at home and novel writing is such a solitary occupation. Uh, you know, my biggest fear was always, you know, what, wait, wait, what, what's everybody else doing? You know, like, what, 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 what are people having fun? And, and, you know, the answer right now is people aren't doing a damn thing. So, um, you know, the world has kind of ground to a halt. And so it's allowed me to sort of uh, let go of that fear, as it were, and, um, yeah. and really embrace getting work done. Um, now, having said that, uh, I've sort of finished the projects that were on my desk and I'm, I'm finding starting something new uh, is incredibly daunting against the backdrop of, of these times. Um, you know, and not just COVID, but everything that's going on right now as, as we think about what we want our country to look like and our world to look like and building a more just, fair, um, uh, you know, place to live for, for us all. The lag time it, it, between, you know, sitting down to write a book and when it might come out and hit shelves can be three, four, five years. Mm -hmm. So when, when thinking about starting a project and there are important things to say right now, but what is it that you want to say about this rapidly changing world? And how can you have a little bit of um, foresight into, into what the world will be when that book hits the shelf? I'm finding that to be uh, you know, quite daunting. So we'll, see, we'll you, see if the productivity grinds to a halt. How are you answering that? Because I'm, I'm finding the same thing. My last book was a thriller about um, corruption within the policing industry. So that was mm -hmm. oh. good at all time. But the one I'm writing right now is about fetal abduction. It's just a straight up thriller 
pregnant lady being stalked, you know, like, and I'm, I'm really struggling with that. What does this book mean in the world? I know it will help somebody pass the time and that is important to me. Uh, um, but, but how do you, how are you addressing that? Yeah, I, I think I, you know, and it, this is an ongoing process, so I, I don't have, forgive me if the, the answer is not fully articulated, <laughs> but, um, you know, I try to strip it back and think about what fiction means to me as a reader. Um, and, and I keep coming back to connection and there is mm-hmm. something about the importance of sharing stories and, and human stories to sort of remind us that even though we may be isolated uh, in this moment uh, or, or sheltering at home or, or not being able to be with our loved ones, um, that there are, there are many stories that we can tell that, um, that even though the plot of those stories don't address this, uh, this moment in time, if we can sort of write the emotional truth of mm-hmm. what, um, what this feels like uh, in this time and, and find a story um, that you could sort of lay that over, um, I think that's where the answer is going to lie. Gorgeous. And it's such a good answer. And it just made me feel so much better. And I want to say about your book, The Editor, which I just loved. I devoured it over the weekend because I am plunging. I, I'm sober. So I have nothing to distract me from. It. I'm just, <laughs> I have plunged okay. so much deeper into books, right? In, uh, in these last few months. And I was always deep into them. But um, you do this incredible job of really exploring the emotional connection of a son and his mother in a meta way um, yeah. that the, the novelist that, you know, the character is a novelist writing a book about his mother and, um, and the way you were able to do that, to draw the emotional connections out and, and not tire until the emotional resonance was found was really deep and really rich to me. And um, my, my favorite kind of book is a mother, mother, child stories so thank you for that yeah there, there are many uh, uh, many more mother daughter stories that uh, uh this is this is a there true mother son love story um and uh you know at its heart it, ha- it has a it has a fun hook uh for those oh, who are the please tell the hook <laughs> yeah that at the end the, but please uh, tell it now yeah, I, the I don't i don't read blurbs i don't read anything i just have somebody say you know let's get them on your show i'll read the book so i did not see it coming Oh, fantastic. You know, as, a, as an artist, I really wish that's how everyone could yeah. experience the book. Now, uh, I would not win that fight with my publisher uh, and the marketing department. You know, in a million years, I was not going to win that fight. Yeah. Uh, but it's fun to talk to someone who is able to sort of go in blind. Um, but the book takes place in early 1990s New York. And our narrator is a young uh, writer, sort of armed with a candidly autobiographical uh, manuscript he'd written about his relationship with his mother and the editor that acquires the book for publication the eponymous editor uh, is uh, uh, none other than Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis who was at the time perhaps the most famous uh, book editor um, for those who who may not remember or weren't really aware of this she had this incredible 15-year career as an editor first at Viking Press and then at Doubleday um, where she spent the bulk of her career. Uh, she I had, did not know any of this. In fact, it was one yeah, of those it's, wonderful it's moments that I put the book down. And I'm like, this cannot be true. Is this science fiction? I'm Seriously, actually Google. reading. And I was yeah. Googling and the wiki came up in 15 years as an editor. She, in fact, I believe it was in the wiki, not your book, but um, there were still manuscripts in her apartment when she died. Mm-hmm. She was still yep. working. It's incredible. 
She worked right up until until her passing um, in 1994. Uh, yeah, she had sublimated so much of her own life to these two marriages, uh, you know, to these very powerful men. And it wasn't until uh, uh, her second husband, Onassis, Aristotle Onassis, died that she sort of put her head down uh, and went to work. And I think people were very skeptical of her at first or assumed she was some sort of, um, you know, vanity hire or or assumed that she was hired for her Rolodex, that perhaps the publisher wanted yeah. her access to many people who could, who could write books um, and thought she would be a way to reel them in. But she proved everybody wrong. She really did the nuts and bolts of editing. Uh, she did the hard work, you know, line editing, um, and, and was involved in every uh, step of the process along the way. She was very interested in the way the books looked, uh, the, right down to the what the weight of the paper and, you know, the cover design and, and everything. And they're, um, you know, getting to learn more about that and, and really research that was one of the great joys uh, in writing this. And, and fortunately, I had a very uh, supportive editor myself and the, the great Sally Kim at Putnam and a, and a publisher who helped put me in touch with many of her former co-workers. Uh, oh, wow. Now. 25 years later, you know, were people who were just starting out but are now in very senior positions in publishing who were yeah. generous with their observations and their time. I, but this great stories about, you know, her elbow deep and a, a photocopier clearing a paper jam, you know, to running down the hallway and stocking feet uh, <laughs> to make a, you know, on a deadline or something. And it's just, it's just the, just the fantasy of what it would have been like to, to work with her is, is, you know, incredibly fun to think about. And you have that image that really didn't leave me where, um, I can't remember who said it in the book, but basically, you know, we're all dreaming of getting out of the office and onto the yacht. And she was actually dreaming about getting off the yacht and into the office. And she remained there until she died, basically. Um, and but but, you know, she's she's your hook and she's an incredible person in the book. But I just really loved our narrator, too. I I just loved being with him and his relationship. And the, oh, it was just it was so real and so good um, when you are writing. Just to get into the the next question that I have here, um, what is your because because when I'm reading a book that is completely done and polished and perfect, when I'm working on a revision of my book as I am, you know, it's always like, oh God, I can never be a writer again. I'm never going to write a yeah. book again because it's so perfect. Yeah. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Uh, it's actually getting my butt in the chair. I think uh, easier with yeah. coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, no, yeah. Usually, uh, that's the problem. Now I've got no place else to go. So yeah, uh, I know I, I'm banking work now because I know I'm going to want to be out in the world when we can all we can all do that again. But that's you know, writers are famous procrastinators. Um, I'm also a very social person. I, if you haven't figured it out yet, I love to chat. Um, so uh, it's it's kind of ironic that I picked this sort of very quiet and, and solitary uh, job. Um, so I, I honestly think it's it's showing up to to do the work. Once I'm once I'm going, you know, and we all have um, you know have to come up with little tricks sometimes because uh, uh, just to jumpstart, you know, in the like once it's flowing, it's flowing, but but. To, you know, it's a daunting feeling to try to figure out how to how to jumpstart that each day. What are some uh, of your jumpstart tricks that you pull? Uh, you know, so it, it's different things. You know, often it's just as simple as getting a running start. Um, so that that, and I mean that in several different ways. It could be going back and reading the previous day's work just to just to sort of ramp up to where you left off. It can be um, 
writing some emails, doing some other kind of writing, correspondence, or you know, even making lists of, of things that I have to get done so I don't so I can feel like I can download that and not mm -hmm. stress about that while I'm working that I won't forget that I've made a list. Um, so that can be that can be very helpful. I think the biggest lesson I learned is not to punish yourself. Um, for instance, I know when I sit down at the computer, it's very hard for me to just dive right in. Mm -hmm. So I might check my email. I might uh, look at Twitter. I might read the headlines, although I don't advise that for different reasons. <laughs> but uh, but uh, so understanding that that's part of the process and not um, not uh, punishing myself for wait for for wasting the first. 30 or 40 minutes that I sit down and not having accomplished anything. Because what used to happen is I would be so mad at myself that mm. then I would sit there and stew for another 30 or 40, and then I've doubled the time that I lost. But if you understand that that's part of the process and you allow for that and build in time for that, then you don't, then, the, then uh, you, you, there's no reason to feel bad about it. It's how you get there. That's what I love about doing this how podcast you get there, is, yeah is talking about people's different processes and how they sneak up on writing. I don't think anybody just takes off their clothes every morning and pushes themselves up against all the words in the universe. We don't want to do that. We want no. to be a little bit more gentle. Um, what is your biggest joy when it comes to the writing process? Oh, goodness. I think, uh, you know, the, there's the very famous, uh, no, now I forget who said it, uh, but uh, the, the sort of having written, the feeling of having written. Oh, yes. Writing about having written yeah. there's no better feeling in the world but like a, a really well crafted sentence still uh you know it turns me on and uh, yeah <laughs> totally uh, when i do something that i'm proud of but i i hear things um lyrically or rhythmically sometimes and and the struggle is to get words on the page in the same sort of rhythm and the same beats that i hear them uh in my head and so that's sometimes when that happen you know sometimes it takes writing that sentence four or five times but when i feel like oh that clicks into something that's almost uh poetry mm. uh at least to me um then then that's that's where real joy lies that's lovely do you and byron share work while it's in progress uh sometimes i would say you know it's not like we don't do it daily L living with another writer uh, a lot of people think that would be hell I think it would be um, there, hell. Yes. Yeah. There, there are some uh, advantages to it as well. For instance, um, you know, you're in it. It's hard to shut off sometimes. You know, just because it's time to eat dinner or come together as a couple at the end of the day, it doesn't mean that you can just lose everything that your brain is working on. Mm. And sometimes I, I need to sit there and think still because I'm I'm downloading what I've done for the day or I'm trying to trying to think ahead to the next day's work. Um, to not lose something important and to have a partner that understand, you know, that doesn't, doesn't get angry or take it personally yeah. when you're not a hundred percent there, uh, you know, in front of them at the dinner table like that, that, that helps. Um, we definitely read each other's work, not, not on a, you know, like chapter by chapter basis, but, um, you know, certainly, certainly he's my first reader for, for a draft of something and, and vice versa. Uh, but it's awesome. But it's nice to have some too to talk through, you know, we can bounce, we do bounce ideas off each other along the way. Yeah. Uh, or I'm really stuck on this. Can you think of a way, you know, that's helpful. Oh, but, that's uh, 
so good. That's so good. I actually, my wife is very good at that. She is an artist, not a writer, but she reads so much that she's very good to bounce against. But yeah, that sounds so cool. You may have already done this um, with sharing the, the, how you sneak up, get the running start, but can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? Ooh, that's a good, uh, that's a good question. (laughs) Yeah, I, I would say, uh, you know, I, well, this isn't a craft tip so much, but one thing that I've learned um, that I would love to share, if I can just, yes, if I can just please. do a parallel question. Uh, for years, you know, I published my, I was in my 40s when I published my first novel, um, and, and uh, I'm still in my 40s, but, uh, you know, it took years to, for me to, to get published. And there were several manuscripts that I'd written along the way, years, and, you know, and they sit on a shelf, and and I had, you know, it's only very recently in the last couple of years um, that I have been able to make writing my full-time profession. I've always had a day job. And so when people ask me what I did, I always uh, said, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a writer, but, um, you know, and, I w- I, and then I would, I would say what my day job was. And yeah. I was almost embarrassed thinking that because the bulk of my financial income didn't come from writing that I wasn't a writer. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could go back and tell uh, younger me that, no, if you, if you write, if you are pursuing this and, and you're passionate about it, it doesn't matter if that's where your income comes from or not. You are a writer. And I want, I want people to be able to say that with, with confidence and uh, with pride. Yes. I wish that more people would do that. I remember the very first time, I ever said it at a party. I said, I'm a writer, even mm-hmm. though yeah. it was not my job. And the very next question was, are you published? And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. God damn it. And you know, your answer for that, then everyone who's listening who doesn't know how to answer that, you just say very sweetly, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, I wish we could train people. You know, there's certain questions that you know are coming. I wish we could train uh, society yeah. to, to, to be a little more gentle with their, you know, if your dog passed away, are you getting another dog? Oh my uh, you know, there are certain questions. It's like, shouldn't be the first question, you know, like it'd be a little, perhaps a little more sensitive, uh, you know, more, uh, more like, Oh, what, what types of things what are you working you on? Like, yeah. That's, yeah. That's a, that's perhaps a better, uh, a better follow-up, but for everybody thinking, you know, 90, 95% of, of writers also, um, supplement their income through mm-hmm. other, you know, other forms of writing, through editing, through teaching, working at Starbucks, you know, like, you know, uh, inc- you know, incredible other uh, jobs as well. So there, there certainly uh, shouldn't be any hesitation uh, just because you, you have some other job as well. So that's a challenge to listeners. The next time you are asked what you do, if you ever go to a party again, your answer should be, I'm a writer. <laughs> um, what, okay, this is, a, this is a good one for you. What thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? Um, well, certainly the answer for me there is having a dog. Uh, you know, uh, I think it's a, I mentioned, you know, it's a very solitary career. It's also a very sedentary uh, <laughs> career. And I have loved, you know, not only is it the book uh, that broke through for me, my, my first novel, Lily and the Octopus, was, was in fact about a relationship I had uh, with a dog, uh, but, uh, or inspired by that relationship. But, um, you know, just the simple act of having another soul near you, another body, you know, even just sleeping, like not just seeing, you know, that chest rise and fall sometimes, it's, 
it's deeply comforting uh, and it's allowed me to continue working sometimes, even when I felt very lonely. Um, mm. It's also some, so, uh, someone you can, you can uh, have a conversation with. They may not talk back, but you can talk things through with them. And they get you out of the chair every few hours to move around. And honest to God, uh, you know, I think this is obvious to most people who've written, getting the blood flowing, you know, just moving your physical body uh, every short while is really going to help, you know, the blood flow to the brain and the quality of your work. And I never would have connected owning a dog to, uh, to, uh, to being integral to writing. But for me, it has been. I, I don't think I've ever put such clear words on it. Yes, if I didn't take my dog, one, I, we have two dogs. I take one out in the morning and the other one is so old that basically the rest of every time I get up, I'm just putting another blanket on her. You know, oh, even yeah. in the summer, that's my full-time We've job. Got one of those right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so what is the best book you've read recently and why did you love it? Oh, goodness. Well, uh, just to keep the peace at home, my, my favorite is The Stars Board by Byron Lane coming July 28th. But that's a, that's a that's cop-out a title. Answer. Um, you know, uh, you know, I'm here to, to, um, talking about the editor, which was released on paperback, uh, June 30th, but also in paperback, uh, on June 30th, the same day was, was Colson Whitehead's The Nickel Boys. Um, Ooh, I haven't read that one. If you happen to miss that, uh, won the Pulitzer this year, but if you happen to miss that, uh, in, in hardcover, now's a good time to check that out. Um, but awesome. I also just read a book because I love, uh, family dramas. I mean, that's, that's my bread and butter. Uh, it's what I, I love, and, and my new novel coming out next year is a sort of sibling um, story, but there's a book I just read called The Second Home by Christina Clancy, Ooh. which is the story of three estranged adult siblings who have to come together and decide the fate of their childhood vacation home, um, and uh, it's really a fantastic summer read. Thank you. I, that's my jam too. I will immediately put that on my list along with Lily and the Octopus because now I know that I love reading you and it's about a dog in some way. I'm in. It's about a dog, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you've told us about um, the editor. Where can we find you? Where can we find it? Also, just from me to you, I have a book going to paper in August and I've never gone from hardcover to paperback. I've always been in paperback first. Um, how have you found the release of that during all of this? Just doing it's a lot really of this kind of thing? So I, the uh, the paperback has a brand new cover. It's a different it's cover than the hardcover, which is really beautiful. Um, and one thing that I found so interesting is I'm thinking about covers differently right now. And I, I don't know if your book has the same cover as, as the hardcover. Different. They changed it. Or not. Yeah. But one thing to keep in mind now, when, we, when bookstores aren't necessarily open for us for browsing, many are open for curbside pickup or if you know what you want. Um, you get it, but there, but some stores have limited or scheduled browsing, but 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 we're not free to just get lost in a bookstore mm -hmm. in the way we were right then, uh, or used to be. And so we have to think about covers a little bit differently because we're doing a lot of our um, book buying online. Um, and so, like, what is that? And and a lot of book marketing has shifted too to Instagram. Bookstagrammers are so you know such an integral part of the publishing community now. Um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, all this stuff. So what does a, a cover look like, uh, you know, in a thumbnail size online? Do these colors really pop? It's very interesting. Um, it's very interesting to think about. But it's also very exciting because I think, um, you know, it, it's hard to break through the noise. Sometimes there are a lot of titles out there. And just the idea that there's a new edition coming out and, and that might attract new readers um, that, that maybe missed it the first time around, it's, you know, it feels very exciting. 
So, I, um, I feel like my cover, my new cover is good, but I feel like your new cover is great. <laughs> like it just pops off the page. And when I did find out that it was Jackie O, I was like, oh, that's okay. Now I can, now I can see what's going on here. Cause it yeah, did yeah. give me that, it, but it was very subtle. It was not necessarily Jackie O on the cover. Fabulous. Okay. Yeah, so where can I hit you over the head with it? Exactly. Uh, so and the, and the other thing too, I've got at the back of the paperback for anyone yeah. who wants to pick up the paperback, there are two sample chapters for my new novel, which will be out next uh, spring. If God willing, we're all still here. Uh, so <laughs> that, that's fun about the, the paperback is the opportunity to have some supplemental material. There's some good book club questions and, and, and then a sneak peek at what comes next. So people can find me. Uh, I'm uh, on all social media at Mr. Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, uh, Rowley, R-O-W-L-E-Y. Um, so find me Instagram, Twitter, Facebook there. And uh, I have a website, stephenrowley.com. You were very clever to get all of the same handles everywhere. Mine are just a little uh, bit different. Yeah, well, I, yeah, you say that, but uh, and I thought, oh, I'll do uh, Mr. Stephen, because Stephen Roller was taking, but uh, Mr. Stephen, and now I have to, to tell the world that I'm, it doesn't say Mrs. Tevin. <gasps> <laughs> I would not have seen that coming, but you're right. That is what it looks that's like. That's like plans. <laughs> I apologize for mispronouncing your name earlier, too. It's oh, no, Roller. no, not. Yeah, I right. think I'm the only person in the world. Me and my father are the last two people. To say <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show, Stephen. This has been an absolute delight to talk to you. And it, it's um, a thrill to be able to talk to someone else outside Donald. So thank you for having <laughs> that me. That is the way. And you're the only person I'm doing that with today. So <laughs> that's great. All right. Thanks, Stephen. Bye. Take care. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>